Hi, podcast listeners. This is Alastair. Haunted places may be off this week, but that doesn't mean we don't have something extra special and scary to share with you. It's a four-part crossover from my series, Haunted Places Ghost Stories, featuring the terrifying tales of Edgar Allan Poe. Catch these stories from the master of the macabre all week long before hearing brand new episodes of Haunted Places starting next week. Thanks for listening and enjoy. This episode contains dramatizations and discussions of suicidal ideation. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. If you or someone you love is struggling with suicidal thoughts or the impulse to self-harm, please seek help. The United States National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. The following is an excerpt from The Raven by Edgar Allan Poe. Open here I flung the shutter when, with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped a stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace just above my chamber door, perched and sat and nothing more. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. I'm Alastair Murden, and this is Haunted Places Ghost Stories, a Spotify original from Parcast. In this series, we reimagine ghostly tales from some of history's greatest authors. The following version is our own unique take. It may feel familiar in some ways and different in others. We hope you enjoy it. You can find episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Today, we conclude our special month-long series on Edgar Allan Poe. In honor of Poe's birth month, we've released weekly adaptations of the author's most macabre classics throughout January. And this week, in our fourth and final episode, we end not with a story, but a poem. The Raven is perhaps Edgar Allan Poe's best-known work. Originally published in the winter of 1845, it captures the intense grief of its narrator with a realism that's unique to Poe's brand of gothic melancholy. But while the poem was wildly successful, it also served as a monument to Edgar Allan Poe's own tragic life. To explore the themes of Poe's verse, we've adapted The Raven into a short story. I will be narrating from the perspective of a widower whose wife falls victim to a bout of tuberculosis. He is lost in mourning until he finds a confidant in an unexpected visitor. Coming up, death darkens our chamber door.
It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Hello, lover of things that go bump in the night. This is Dan Cummins. And I'm Lindsay Cummins. And we co-host the paranormal horror podcast, Scared to Death. Are shadow people real? What about demonic possessions? Poltergeist activity? Do you believe in ghosts? Malevolent entities? Are aliens real? Could you be abducted? We don't know. But what we do know is that we have over 230 episodes of stories on our podcast, Scared to Death, exploring all of the possibilities. Each week, we share several supposedly true stories that have been gathered from around the world and submissions from our own fans of allegedly true tales. Curious about the paranormal? Just like a spooky story? Do you need more fear to fuel you through your long work days? Come join us. New episodes of Scared to Death are released every Tuesday night. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you end up scared to death. I sat beside the sick bed and looked upon my Lenore's lovely face. How many days had it been since I'd slept? Too many to count. Weak and weary. Lenore was gaunt, stark white and sweating, her once full frame now ravaged by consumption. I spent every moment praying for a reversal of fortune, but each day I watched as she slipped further and further away from me. <coughs> Dr. Richards entered, carrying turpentine for Lenore's evening inhalation. The treatment was no use. She was coughing too violently to accept it. The doctor left to tend to other patients, saying he'd try again later. My hopes went with him, but my fears stayed in that hospital room. As my eyelids grew heavy, I mustered every bit of strength I had left to stave off sleep. Though I wouldn't say it aloud, I knew these were likely my final days with Lenore, and they were far too precious to waste on slumber. However, I am only human, and soon my exhaustion won, and sleep descended without my noticing. Only when I awoke did I realize I'd dozed off. I wish I could have stayed asleep forever, because I woke to a true nightmare. My beloved Lenore had passed away. I went mad with grief. I squeezed her hand, kissed her cheek, shook her gently to try and wake her. But it was no use. She would never draw another breath. I looked at her fragile frame, still lying in bed. My mind couldn't make sense of what my eyes clearly saw. Lenore looked just as she had an hour before, but also terribly, irrevocably different. Souls don't have a shape or weight, and yet I could plainly see her soul was no longer in her body. It was as if someone had replaced her with a wax replica, perfect in every detail but somehow lacking. Where was she? 
She had just been here. Where did she go? I wailed in anguish and collapsed beside her deathbed. If agony could kill, I would have died there too. A fortnight passed, but I still felt as though I was on that cold hospital floor. In many ways, my life had stopped there. Without Lenore, my days were an endless procession of meaningless actions. A ceaseless march toward a death that felt all too far away. She consumed all my thoughts. I expected to see her everywhere, beside me when I woke in the morning, in the kitchen brewing tea, in her favorite chair doing needlework. I felt her absence everywhere. And still, I hoped she would find her way back to me. Each curtain's rustle, every floorboard's creak filled me with a terrible longing. But when I realized it wasn't Lenore, I felt emptier than before. I barely ate. I hardly slept. It was all I could do to keep a small fire alive against the winter cold. Each separate dying ember brought its ghost upon the floor. So tonight, like every evening, I tried to read by the firelight. I opened one of my many volumes of forgotten lore and settled in my chair. But as always, it was a futile attempt at distraction. Every letter on every page just served to remind me of her. Even a harmless word like lake could send me reeling back into my memories. Lake. I recalled a heady August day some years ago. Lenore packed a picnic and we hiked to a beautiful remote lake north of the city. We spread out a blanket in the tall grass and nibbled on cheese and berries. When I close my eyes, I can still taste the tang of the chevre hitting my tongue for the first time. I had never tasted anything so delicious. I remembered thinking she was already opening up my world, making it better, making me better. After lunch, we stripped to our bathing suits and jumped in the water. Not another soul was around. It was our own private paradise. When dusk fell, we finally came back to shore. Wet and shivering in the cold night, neither of us wanted to go home. After such a magical day, we couldn't bear to part. So we laid in the grass together, holding each other close, until the stars shone brightly against the indigo sky. We were so young then, just kids really. But I knew with complete certainty that I loved her. And I always would. A rare and radiant maiden. I hadn't planned it. I certainly didn't have a ring. But my declaration of love spilled out of me anyway. I asked for Lenore's hand in marriage. And to my utter joy, she accepted. I plucked a sturdy blade of grass and tied it around her delicate finger. I promised to get her a real ring as soon as I could afford one. And then, the moment I'd revisited countless times since her death. The moment that gave me the smallest shred of hope, even now. The moment Lenore said we would be together for all eternity. Though our mortal bodies would die, we would always find a way back to one another. I... Reminiscing was interrupted by a tapping at my chamber door. 
My heart leapt. Could it be? But I wouldn't let myself finish the thought. I reminded myself that it wasn't possible. It couldn't be Lenore. The sound was probably just the old door frame straining from the cold. I tried to return to the lovely memory of our engagement, but the tapping came again, louder and more urgently. I froze, perplexed by the disturbance. It was midnight, far too late for any visitor, yet there was undoubtedly someone on the other side of my door. I rose from my chair and silently tiptoed to the entryway. I pressed my ear against the wood to listen, but what I heard on the other side was impossible. <laughs> it was our engagement day. I could hear the lake, the waves lapping and fish splashing as if they were just beyond the doorway, and Lenore's laugh, but it wasn't. It sounded like her, but distant, warped, and very far away. My heart pounded as I pressed my ear harder to the wood, desperate to hear everything. Then, whatever was on the other side of my door moved. It roughly twisted the knob back and forth as if trying to get in. I nearly jumped out of my skin in shock. If I weren't steeped in grief, I would have been terrified. Instead. I felt a tiny glimmer of hope. My mind leapt to the conclusion my heart wanted so badly to be true. So I opened the door. But all that greeted me on the other side was darkness. The street was strangely frigid, even for this time of year, and not a single lamp was lit. I felt my malnourished frame shake uncontrollably as I stepped out to investigate, but there was nothing but the frosty cloud of my own breath. I whispered, Lenore, when the echo of my voice came back to me, merely this and nothing more. I shut the door, berating myself for hoping to see my love. Pain is so much more acute in the wake of hope. All my soul within me burning. But no sooner had I sat down and picked up my book than another sound beckoned. More tapping, this time from the window. I wouldn't be fooled again. Surely it was just a tree branch rapping against the glass. But then I noticed a peculiar shadow cross the frosted pane. It was large, angular, and appeared to be hopping. I flung open the window to investigate. To my surprise, I found a tremendous stately raven upon my windowsill. And when a wintry gust of wind blew inside, the raven invited itself in as well. I'd never seen anything like it. As if it knew where it was going, the magnificent bird casually hopped over my threshold and glided across the room. It swiftly landed on a sculpted bust above my door, folding its immense wings behind itself. Perched and sat and nothing more. I closed the window against the frigid air and turned my gaze upon my visitor. The raven's posture was proud, 
arrogant even. Its body was the deepest ebony I'd ever seen, from its razor-sharp beak to its scaly, curled claws, the kind of black that absorbs every speck of light. The bird's stern expression seemed to indicate that it took itself very seriously. The thought made me grin. I realized it was the first time I'd smiled in ages. Perhaps that's why I spoke to it. I said, Hello there. What's your name? Not that I expected a reply. It's just the sort of thing you say to an animal. But to my amazement, the raven opened its beak and spoke. It said, Nevermore. Coming up, the raven brings dark tidings. The world is full of con men, fantasists, and corrupt authority figures. There are respected spiritual leaders who ask way too much of their followers, global companies with unexpected motives, and governments that value profit over all else. Luckily for us, the world is also full of people who stand up for what they believe in, even if it turns their lives upside down. I'm Pat Rodriguez, host of Whistleblowers, the new podcast series that explores the biggest, most bizarre lies in history through the eyes of those who risked absolutely everything to expose them. This season in Whistleblowers, join us as we uncover the story of the women who brought down Hollywood's most controversial yoga guru, the doctors who believe one of the world's top surgeons used humans as his guinea pigs, and the woman who revealed Facebook's darkest secrets. Whistleblowers is a Spotify original from Parcast, airing episodes every Tuesday starting January 18th. Follow and listen to Whistleblowers for free on Spotify. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, back to the story. I stood in my living room stunned into silence. Never before had a wild creature welcomed itself into my home, much less spoke to me. Lenore would have loved the spectacle. She was well studied in supernatural phenomena. I could just see the knowing look she'd wear while educating me about a raven's significance in folklore. I turned to her chair, half expecting to receive such a lesson. But it sat empty just as it had for the last month. I refocused on my unexpected guest. I hadn't imagined this talking raven, had I? Was it a hallucination? I supposed it was possible. After all, I hadn't gotten a decent night's sleep or a full meal in well over a month. I needed to confirm it was real. So again, I said to the raven, tell me your name. Just as before, it croaked, nevermore. 
Evermore. The response was meaningless, unless that was its name, which I doubted. Still, I was astonished. Was it possible this bird came to my window because it knew of my struggles? I thought back to another lesson my dear Lenore had imparted years before. She told me once that animals are attuned to emotion and feeling in ways human beings are not. Perhaps it sensed that I badly needed a friend. With some amusement, I realized this raven fit into a growing motif in my life, for it wasn't the first mysterious bird to visit me at a pivotal moment. Birds. They came to us on our wedding day. Lenore loved the outdoors, so we held our ceremony in the church's courtyard. As I stood waiting beside the preacher, I gazed out over the faces of our loved ones. Each of them was beaming, thrilled to share this special day with us. Then, they weren't anymore. They were filled with pity and contempt. The same way her family stared at me after her death. If they did not blame me for their loss, they found my relentless grieving contemptible. I was a pariah. I pushed away the thought. Instead, I remembered Lenore walking across the lawn toward the aisle. My beautiful angel, dressed in all white. Every head turned as she walked up the aisle. When she finally stood across from me, a happy tear fell from my eye. She wiped it away with a sweet smile. A sweet smile on lips that were cracked and blue. Lifeless. My last sight of her, grey-skinned and dead-eyed upon the slab. The same eyes that beheld her beauty would, years later, behold her corpse. What insects would take up residence in those hollow, unfeeling cheeks? No, no! I would not think such horrific things. I forced the thought aside. Then, it happened. The miracle. As our ceremony began, a pair of brilliant doves flew right up to us and landed on the pulpit. These are the birds that sparked the memory. Lenore and I were astonished. It felt as though God were blessing our marriage. The doves stayed and watched over our entire ceremony. From that day on, Lenore and I called each other my dove. Tears welled in my eyes at the memory. I wiped them on my shirt sleeve as I'd taken to doing often. Showing emotion had never come easily to me, but Lately, I felt like a raw nerve. As I wept, I sensed the raven's piercing gaze and became self-conscious. I looked up to see it was, indeed, staring at me. Its eyes were beady, pitch-black orbs of endless abyss, but somehow, looking into them made me feel... safe. Perhaps I was just lonely. Perhaps I'd gone mad, but that bird was the only confidant I had left in the world. I pulled my chair up closer and told it my entire sad story. The raven was as rapt an audience as anyone could hope for. It did not offer any reply, but it seemed to listen, watching my face, unwavering as I spoke. 
when I finished my story, I was surprised by how I felt. I'd expected my pain to ease, but strangely, I felt lower than ever. You'll leave me too, I said to the raven, as my hopes have flown before. The raven replied, Nevermore. I pondered the bird's response. What did it mean? Was this a pledge of loyalty? A vow that it wouldn't let me fall to loneliness? I dismissed the thought. It was probably the only word the raven knew. Most likely was trained by a former master. A fatalist who only thought in terms of impossibilities. I could certainly relate. For a moment, imagining such a person made me feel less alone. That is until I looked back up at the raven and saw its gaze was no longer focused on me. Instead, it peered at an empty crib in the corner of the room. Looking at it sent another memory flooding back to me of a night when everything went terribly, irrevocably wrong. Lenore woke me in the middle of the night she was six months pregnant with our first child and she was having severe pain. I rushed out into a swirling tempest to retrieve the midwife. By the time we returned, Lenore was in labor. She howled in pain and begged for opium, but the midwife had none. I'd never felt more hopeless than I did watching her suffer through that dreadful, endless night. When the child finally came, he was tiny and blue. It was clear he was already gone. Lenore and I just held each other, wailing in agony. We had been overjoyed at the prospect of parenthood. Just that day I had finished building the crib our son would never sleep in. Lenore and I talked about trying to become parents again someday, but we never got the chance. In my fragile state, the memory was too much to bear. I doubled over, heaving with sobs. I thought of my precious family and the beautiful life we would never share. I cried aloud, will this pain ever cease? The raven turned its cold gaze on me and once again said, nevermore. was this creature? A harbinger of my eternal suffering? Some demon sent to haunt me? Was my suffering not enough to appease the devil? My breath came faster, my cheeks grew hot, the air turned dense, suffocating. Agitated, I jumped to my feet. I paced back and forth, biting my hand to keep from screaming. I couldn't go on this way. I'd considered taking my own life so many times since Lenore's passing. If she couldn't find her way back to me, perhaps I could find my way to her. But I knew I would be damned for the transgression. No, I would never again see my love in this life or the next. Instead, I'd continue to live out my miserable days suffering in her absence. For my sanity, for my survival, I needed to forget Lenore. 
If only I could drink an elixir and wipe her from my memory. Could it be done? Could I ever forget her? As if reading my thoughts, the raven replied, Nevermore. Without a second thought, I picked up my book and hurled it at the window, shattering it. Be gone, vile wretch! I cried, waving my arms wildly to get the animal to fly out the open window. Nevermore, the raven rasped. I screamed. Let that be the last word you speak to me! Depart, and don't leave a feather behind! Take thy beak from out my heart, and take thy form from off my door! Quoth the raven, Nevermore. Indeed, there the bird sat, unmoving, unthreatened, and there it still sits on the bust above my door. <laughs> Time passes, night falls, but here I stay, never moving from its shadow on the floor. And each time I dare to wonder if I'll ever again feel joy, it opens its beak to remind me. Nevermore. After a lifetime of poverty, Edgar Allan Poe likely wrote The Raven for the express purpose of commercial success. He was well aware of popular narrative formulas to get readers to buy his work, but knowing what we do about Poe's life, it's easy to imagine The Raven as a prophecy of the author's tragic final years. Poe and his wife Virginia hardly had a chance to enjoy the literary success he earned with the poem's 1845 publication. Virginia, who had been living with tuberculosis, became severely ill and passed away just two years later in 1847. To cope with his grief, Poe drank heavily, an old habit of his. Scholars believe that he likely suffered from severe depression, especially during the last few years of his life. On September 27, 1849, Poe departed Richmond, Virginia, allegedly bound for Philadelphia. He was not seen again for nearly a week. Then, on October 3rd, he was found in a rain-soaked Baltimore gutter filthy, delirious, and wearing someone else's clothes. He spent his final days hospitalized, suffering from delirium and visual hallucinations. Though Poe's death certificate stated he died of brain swelling, to this day, many still speculate the exact cause of his death. His was a dreadful and mysterious end befitting a man best remembered for his macabre genius. So perhaps it makes sense that despite Poe's stated intent, the raven is ultimately regarded 
as his magnum opus. The ironic tragedy is that it came four years before his untimely death. An appropriate coda for his lifetime of hardships. Thanks again for tuning in to Haunted Places Ghost Stories. We will be back on Thursday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Ghost Stories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast free exclusively on Spotify. See you on the other side. Haunted Places Ghost Stories is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Haunted Places Ghost Stories was written by Janelle Malik, with writing assistance by Robert Teamstra and Alex Garland, fact-checking by Adriana Romero, and research by Mickey Taylor. I'm Alastair Murden. <laughs> <laughs>